Hi, and welcome to the Unashamedly Human Podcast, a podcast created to help you get out of your head and into your life. That is, if you want to have more fun, freedom, happiness, peace of mind, and success whilst squeezing the juice out of every area of your life. Join Jackie Ford every Thursday and listen in to her warm Scottish tones, wise heart and wonderful sense of humour as she interviews guests and discusses what it means to be unashamedly human. Hi everyone and welcome to the Unashamedly Human podcast. My name is Jackie Ford and today my guest is Angus Ross. Angus Ross is a transformational coach. He um, works with his wife Rohini and their focus as a couple is on relationships, which is absolutely fantastic. And I think it's called rewilding. Is that right? It's yeah, rewilding. Yes. Yeah, which yeah, I love. And we've just decided that Angus's um, individual focus as a transformational coach is anyone who's living and breathing and hurting. So if that's you, you know where to find this man. And I will put um, his contact details in the blurb on the podcast. Now. I've known Angus and Rohini for a number of years, um, mainly sort of bumping into them at conferences. And um, it's been lovely to keep up to date with them on Facebook, all the things that are happening with the girls. Um, you know, being a mum of three girls myself, it's nice just to see another family going through some of the ups and downs of parenting that one does. Um, but it's really sort of quite unusual for me to be speaking to Angus. He's in LA and he's an Englishman. And, you know, being Scottish, I'm not so sure about this. So uh, we'll wait and see how the podcast goes. Angus, welcome to the Unashamedly Human podcast. Thank you, Jackie. It's, it's, it's such a privilege to be invited onto your podcast. I'm really looking forward to this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, numerous problems. It's It's a great opportunity as I see it. No. And, uh, yeah, as far as being an, uh, uh, an Englishman with a name like Angus, I, I, all I can do is apologise. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I think that, that call, uh, it's kind of a funny story. I think that at the time, you know, I had uh, three sisters and a brother, um, and, I, and we used to have a vicar, as I understand it. His name was Angus. And I think that the, the, the naming process was, was put in their capable hands. And I mm. guess Angus was the Dirigueur name at the time. <laughs> So that's how I ended up with this very Scottish name and being an Englishman to boot. So, oh, I mean, that to me, that just gives you the best of both worlds, really, doesn't it? <laughs> but I have my brothers and sisters to blame, is my understanding. Oh, bless. But I, but I, yeah, I enjoy my name. It's a lovely name, Angus. Angus, tell me a wee bit about you. Um, because I know that you, you, you were a professional photographer with a very, very successful career. I, just tell me a bit about you, because I don't really know that much about you before. Yes. Well, I used to be, I mean, up until fairly recently, I was a, you know, an advertising and fashion photographer. And uh, that was my moniker, if you like, for about 25 years. And, um, you know, I had varying degrees of success with that in London. And when I met my good wife, Rohini, and we decided to come to LA. Initially, that was for me just going to be maybe six weeks at the most. We're just going to explore things and see how things settled there. And um, and at the time, she was modelling in London and, and hated trancing around in the rain with her portfolio. It was a fairly bleak existence as far as she was concerned. So the lure of the sun 
mm. at Los Angeles. I think there was an agent who was desperate for her to come out here. And, um, you know, eventually she, she, she sort of, you know, her, her discontent with the London weather got the better of her. And I said, let's go try Los Angeles. So I said, okay, we'll see, what, see what's up. And, uh, and we came out here and, you know, here we are 25 years later. But I mean, I think that for me, it was, it was, a, you know, it was, it was, uh, initially I had quite a bit of success. I was, you know, I, I, I managed to slot into doing quite a bit of high level advertising work and that was coming out of Chicago and New York. It wasn't really something that was happening for me in LA. Mm-hmm. Um, so it wasn't as if I wasn't making money. So it was kind of like there were reasons why it was okay to be here. And Rahini did super well. Her modeling career really, she started making money. In London, she was, she was considered, I hope it's okay if, you know, if I say this, and she won't find this, this, this term too, too, dis, too disturbing. But I guess I would say that in London, she was considered a bit exotic. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, she did a lot of editorial work, which really didn't bring in a lot of money, but she had a lot of exposure. And in LA, she actually just immediately started to make good money. I mean, there wasn't the same sort of problem with, with you know, quote unquote, looking exotic. So for her, it was great. She's making a bunch of money. I was kind of not working so much, but I was making good money, but I didn't like LA. I was really not thrilled to be here. And, uh, and then as we sort of like, as time wore on and she got more rooted in her work and, and I guess, you know, there was, it was definitely income coming in, you know, before too long, we found like we really did, you know, find ourselves like <laughs> being rooted to the spot in, in many ways. There's no other way of looking at it. And then, um, and then I had to go through this whole digital revolution. I hope this is okay. I mean, this is fairly a long verbose story, but it's kind of like, you, you did ask, and this is how things unfolded for me here in the States. But that was a real struggle for me going over from, you know, what was, you know, just, let's say the analog world into the digital world. And, and I, you know, talk about suffering with my thinking. I think I really like had a tremendous loss of confidence and it really mm-hmm. affected my work. And, uh, and she, meanwhile, was doing really well. So it seemed logical that we should stay here. But there was, I think, for me, I did feel like a fish out of water. And it, and it, was, it did start to become, it, it started to look like a big struggle for me on the career front. Mm-hmm. So my, you know, I managed to sort of like scrape together a living for quite some time, a few years, in fact. Um, and, and then eventually it just, you know, got to the point where, I felt, well, this is not working. I'm going to have to take a proper grown-up job. And I actually ended up, you know, doing, doing an administrative job for, for actually what actually ended up being maybe five, six years um, before I, you know, I was exposed to, to this understanding. And then that's a whole other story in itself. But it's kind of like, that's what brought me out here. And probably, you know, if that hadn't happened, I certainly wouldn't end up where I am now. And it's in actual fact doing something that I really love and I'm passionate about. So it's interesting how life pans out. It is, isn't it, Angus? And I always say to people that everything we go through, we're going through it for a reason. You exactly. know, and at the time you're kind of like, mm. but when you come through it, you're kind of like, ah, oh, that's why that happened. That's why I did that. Yes, no, I mean, it's amazing. It's also interesting because I had, I guess, over the course of the last maybe 10 years even, um, I have, you know, I, you know, I have a lot of friends who are 
life coaches, a lot of friends who are therapists. And I'm, in, in my mind, that was a world that I have literally no interest in being involved in so whatsoever. So why, why did you not, why did it not interest you? I don't know. I think as, pers- as far as personal coaches was, was, coaching was concerned, I just thought they were like glorified cheerleaders, as kind of, oh which is a terrible <laughs> thing to say. But in my mind, that, that was my judgment. And then having said that, you know, I've gone through periods of time where I've actually had a personal coach and, and, and they made a big impression on me. And, and, mm-hmm. and I actually did have quite a bit of a renaissance with my career, albeit briefly when I did have the services of a professional coach, you know, when mm-hmm. I was a photographer. So it's a bit unfair for me to think that, but I just thought, well, that's just that's something that doesn't interest me. And so when I did eventually get involved in this line of work, it was kind of it was a real eye opener. It was a real beautiful thing to be able to connect with people and help people. And and it was just a, it was just something that I'd never really considered how much, how impact, impactful that would be for me on a personal level. So at what point then, Angus, did you decide that you wanted to be a coach yourself? Because I, I know if you tell people a bit about your journey to to coming across this understanding, that would be really useful. Yeah, well, if I, if I, you know, if I start at the, the, the point, the genesis point, if you like, with, with where this understanding really started to, uh, to, to, to lay roots for me was when Rahini, who I guess at this point had been 10 years, a, you know, a therapist, uh, 10 plus years, in fact. And, um, and then in our marriage and my difficulty with my career and probably all the, the reasons that I could think of that really were making me feel insecure through, the period, that, through that period of time. You know, we had a lot of struggles in our relationship. And subsequently, I think that Rahini, with her background, was always very keen to look in the direction of personal growth and what we can do to repair what may be considered to be, our, at times, our failing relationship. So I would find myself going to all these different workshops, usually as, a, as an ultimatum because things had really gone. <laughs> Shit had hit the fan, so to speak. Um, so I, I, would, I would go to one of these workshops and... and um, and um, I'm sorry, I hope you can't hear the neighbor's dog. The neighbor's dog has started. That's fine. Okay, awesome. So I would be dragged along to these workshops and, and you know, we'd think that, that, that some repair work would be done, but it was usually very short-lived. And, you know, and I, you know, to the point where I actually did, I think, do a lot of personal growth work, which actually ultimately, in terms of what you say about, you know, the path that we find ourselves on, I'm sure mm-hmm. a lot of, a lot of the stuff that I have, have absorbed over the years has been useful, but at the time it's like, oh, Jesus, really? I've got to do another one of these damn workshops. And so, but nothing really, you know, nothing really made any kind of significant change in terms of where our relationship was going until at this point in time where she uh, decided that she was feeling a little bit limited in terms of what she could do with, you know, the professional community in terms of what therapy was offering. And that she seemed, she felt like that coaching was gave her a lot of more freedom in terms mm-hmm. of how she wanted to work with people. So that's how she ended up stumbling across Michael Neal, and then ultimately meeting the Pranskys. And then when she, you know, she got more well versed in this understanding, then it seemed obvious to her that she would do the mentorship program with the Pranskys. So by this point, you know, she would disappear up to the Pacific Northwest every couple of months. And, and all, I, all I could think of was, well, thank God she's not involving me in this whole process now. <laughs> I assumed it's like, 
Uh, she's just given given up the goat on me. It's like I'm a lost cause. But it, I felt like you know, at least I wasn't being brought into the affray. That she's kind of leaving me alone. And then, um, but I was you know carrying on being my typical obnoxious self. And she ended up uh, uh, back from one of these weekends. And I really had no idea what she was doing. I assumed really she was just getting more you know more. Uh, information under her belt that's going to help her with her therapy and I know with therapy that they expect you to do a certain amount of of work on yourself and mm -hmm. that's part of the process of being in the professional community you have to do so many hours a year that, that's just advancing your cause as it were so I just assumed that was part and parcel of what she was doing but anyway there was this one very specific moment when she came back from one of these weekends and, and I was in a really low mood and being particularly foul, I think it's safe to say. And, um, and I said a few choice, choice words to her that, that for whatever reason in the past would have really got her going. I mean, it's like, I think I was really probably going below the belt and I know I knew how to push her buttons and how to, you know, get a rise out of her as it were. And uh, on this particular occasion, it just like there was nothing, there was no comeback. And it really kind of was a bit stupefied by this. Mm -hmm. And then I think I kept pressing. And, um, and then she made this really interesting remark where she said to me, you know, because I said, you know, have you got no comeback? Because I was kind of curious why, you know, why there would be no, no retort for what I had said. And uh, she said, no, I can, I can see that, you know, you're suffering with your thinking. And there was a part of me like, hang on a minute, it's like, you know, that, is this like a whole new, a whole new vernacular, some new psycho babble that she's learned and that, um, you know, if that had been something that, that just felt like she was just paying lip service to some new understanding that she was exposed to, I would have probably seen right through it. But what was so curious in that moment is there was this genuine look of a compassion in her eyes, which, 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 for me, it was something altogether new. Like, so I was pretty, I was pretty, pretty familiar with her, you know, using new terms that she would learn. And, and for myself included, we could have arguments using those terms, but there would be, there wouldn't be the feeling behind it. But this was altogether new. She was really genuinely, you know, saying this to me with, a, with, with, a, with, this, with this feeling of compassion, which was like, wow, I mean, that was so interesting. And so it just, it just was a situation where it was water, water off a duck's back for her. So that piqued my curiosity. And I think she maybe at, from that point forward just, just realized that, you know, something had got me interested. So she started making noises about taking me up to the, to the Pacific Northwest and having a weekend with me with the Pranskis. And ultimately, that's, that's what ended up happening. And so when that happened... Um, you know, that was a very interesting weekend. And for my, for, my, for my money, I thought I was initially going up there to have my wife kind of work on me as a therapist and she would be guided through this whole process through George and Linda Prensky. But obviously that wasn't the case. But that's kind of how I was spinning it in my head. Mm -hmm. But so I had really no clue about the principles. I had no, you know, I had no awareness about what the principles were all about. And so... It was kind of interesting now to reflect back on that experience, think how, you know, I ended up, you know, working with George and, and Rahini um, came in on, on, on the, I think from the second session onwards, because I didn't even want to in the room in the first place. I thought, it's like, this is so weird and awkward. I don't want my wife, you know, if I'm going to be doing therapy, my wife's not going to sit in on this process. 
And then George's like, no, no, that's not what this is about. There'll be tremendous value in Rohini being here in the room. And ultimately, that's, that's what ended up happening. Is that, mm. You know, I went through this, this, this intensive weekend with, with George and, and really it all just made, com- it, was just, it was just common sense to me. It wasn't as if I felt like the earth was moving or I had this incredible epiphany. But I certainly, you know, it was a wonderful experience, but it just, it just, it just made sense to me. It just, it wasn't something that was, it wasn't like I was hearing earth shattering information, mm-hmm. but it was a, but it was a, a beautiful experience. And then, um, and is it okay to go on? I mean, I, mean, oh, I don't yeah, want to feel like yeah, I'm just yeah, doing yeah, my time. I feel <laughs> I've, I've gone into this monologue. I don't want to feel like I'm being selfish with the time. No, you're fine. So, um, so anyway, so we went through this weekend and, um, and what was so funny about it is because I was thinking that, you know, I have done therapy up until this point. So I was familiar with the sort of like usual 90 minute, you know, term that you would go through. And then what was so, was so bizarre to me was that George would sort of get up and walk out after 30 minutes. And I, and I turned to Rahini, and I was like, what's going on? Where's he going? What's, what's happening? And, 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 and Rohini would turn to me and say, well, I think he's had, he thinks you must have had some kind of insight. And I said, insight? What are you talking about? It's like, I haven't had an insight. I mean, this is just, there's nothing new about this information. It's just, you know, we're having a conversation. And so it was all a bit bizarre to me. But so, um, so anyway, we finished the four days. We went back to LA and I got back to LA. And what was so interesting about that was that we were just getting on like a house on fire. It was just mm-hmm. as if our relationship had this whole new lease of life. And I was kind of a little bit stupefied by this. It was, it was really, to me, just, just kind of odd in a way. But I mean, I was so grateful. But then a part of me started to think, was like, what's, what's going on up there? What happened? Was I, did I drink something? Or, or they, like, like they somehow hypnotized me? It's like, how? What happened? What turned this relationship you know, in this direction so suddenly? And so swiftly. And it was as almost as if I was, was tempting fate at that point, because I think mm-hmm. this, is, this is about a, a week having been back in LA. And I was just so, so grateful, but also so, you know, curious about what had, what had, what had happened up there that our relationship was doing so well. And then, um, and I've told this, sto- this story before, and I apologize if you've heard it, but this was kind of a big moment for me in terms of this understanding, is that the one thing that, Ra- that, that George had, you know, constantly been pointing to in the course of those four days was that, you know, we, we, don't, feel our th- we don't feel external circumstance, we feel our thinking. And he, he kept, you know, articulating that, that idea in various different creative mm-hmm. ways. And so I think that had somehow landed to some degree or another. But I remember that we, we after a week of being back in LA, suddenly had this, this, this altercation that ended up being this, you know, you safely can say was a, it was a pretty huge fight. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it started in, I think it started midday and went on into the evening. And then we, you know, we went to bed. We're still, at, you know, kind of each other, at each other's throats. Um, and then, you know, I never like to go to bed in that kind of, in that kind of situation, but, you know, we somehow managed to get to sleep. I got up in the morning and, you know, tested the water. We're still very much in the same place. And, um, you know, she's kind of like turning her back on me and I'm like, and <laughs> we're, not, we're not in a good spot. And so 
I remember walking out into the kitchen, getting ready to work. I'm about to leave for the day. And then being the last word freak that I am, I thought, well, I'm going to have to go and have my say. I'm not going to, you know, this is, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to leave on, you know, I need to have my say here. And I kind of probably, I'm sure, re rehearsed in my said, rehearsed in my head, whatever victory I was going to, going to spew all over her. And I'll never forget this to my dying day. I'll never forget walking into the bedroom and then just going off on some tangent about how, you know, here's another example of us investing in more psychological snake oil. And this is all bullshit. And it's like, look where we are. We're still at each other's throats. It's like, you know, what a waste of money. Mm -hmm. Why, you know, how could you waste all your money on, on, on doing this program? And as the words were, were, were coming out of my mouth, I just, it's I, almost as if I had this kind of out of the body experience where I just felt like I was just suddenly removed from my voice box and the words are coming out but 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 the feeling inside was starting to go in the direction of what george was pointing to that you know i i am i'm feeling my 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 my, my you know my thinking and and that the, the external circumstance is very much removed about so i'm 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 having this experience where these words of, of menace and vitriol coming out of my mouth, but I'm having this internal experience. It's like, well, hang on a minute. This just, this is just absolute. It's, it's an illusion. Really. I could see the illusion in that, in that very moment of what was happening. And I just suddenly segued from, it was, it was so, must've been so bizarre for Rahini because I just segued from being this like maniac shouting at her to suddenly this, this sobbing wreck who was just filled just filled with love and awe of, of what, you know, what was ultimately the truth of my human experience, that mm. I am not this person who's, who's caught up in what's going on in the external world. I'm very much, you know, a person, you know, an, you know a, a person who's having this experience where I'm really feeling my thinking and, and coming from that place. And just, I think in that very moment, I saw the illusion of thought. Mm. And it was a very sort of, a moment where I feel really feel like I tapped into that spiritual part of myself mm -hmm. and, and, and just really just went from just from a place of just being in this, this space of just anger and upset that was very much a, a, a part of my thinking into this space of just love and acceptance and surrender. So it was, it was, it was, that was the sort of defining moment. And it was, and I always kind of joke about my experience with the Pranskis in, in the sense that it felt like, I must have swallowed some sort of slow release pill that eventually <laughs> finally kicked in when I'm screaming at my wife, you know, weeks later after having, you know, the week, you know, the weekend with them. So that was the turning point, which really got me, got me going with the principles. I think that, that, yeah, you know, they talk about defining moments. That would definitely be one of the major defining moments for me, but it, and, and, and for our relationship too. Yeah. I mean, from that moment on then was everything perfect, Angus? No, not at all. I mean, <laughs> but it was like, it was a point where that was a great reference point for me to see the sort of the inside out nature of, of thought and to mm -hmm. see where I can go with my habitual thinking, particularly in the, in the arena of relationship where, you know, I would, would, would get out of balance. Um, but then I would see how, yeah, I'm just really like, I'm, I'm paying lip service to old habitual thinking and it's really going to lead me very quickly towards suffering. And I think that it was kind of like a muscle started to develop along those lines. So it wasn't as if everything was perfect, 
but it was certainly going in the right direction. And, and still, you know, as you know, I still get wrapped around the axle and I still get upset, but mm-hmm. you know, in the past that upset could lead into an argument that could take days and weeks to process, you know, the, 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 the fallout after that could go on for a long time. And now, you know, we are so better equipped not to take that personally. You know, speaking for myself, I'm so better equipped not to take that personally. And uh, I get myself, you know, I find myself getting back into balance very quickly in comparison to, you know, where we would go. Mm-hmm. That's been, you know, that's been, a, that's been a huge shift. It's just that realization that, yeah, it's kind of like, yeah, I'm getting lost in my thinking. Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I, I, this is a blind spot for me. Blind spots. <laughs> blind spots. The dreaded blind, blind spots. The dreaded blind spots. They're um, incredibly useful to have, are they not? They you, are. Yeah. Yeah. I think that for me, the blind spots now I see that these are always kind of great learning opportunities. You know, initially I might <laughs> go... I might get out of balance and I might get reactive around whatever blind spot shows up. But then there's always an opportunity for me to see, to look at it through this lens, the understanding, through the lens of this understanding, to look at it from that point of view, from that perspective. It just allows me to like, yeah, here's another one that I can, I can like ex- exercise and store away. I figured out this problem and I can move on. So I would like to think that that maybe that's, in some way, my level of consciousness, if you like, is, 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 is at least growing and advancing by virtue of the fact that, yeah, I, I had a blind spot, I reacted to it, but now I've been able to see, you know, I just, this is another situation where I've just, you know, reacted mm-hmm. to my, my, my external experience. Mm-hmm. And, so now, and thought. Yeah, so now you and Rohini work with, with couples to help them figure out their relationships as well is that right angus yes 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 so yeah so for me it's kind of like you know i feel like sometimes people you know i feel like people want to know what credentials i might have to be able to say that i'm a relationship coach and i think that really the best credentials that i can offer is that my god if you know if we can get through this it's kind of like I, always, I like to say it's kind of like you know that film the war of the roses i mm-hmm. like to say I like to look at us in terms of War of the Rosses because we got pretty close to being very similar to how things unfolded in that movie. I mean, it's not like we were trying to kill each other, but I think we were definitely trying to kill each other with our words and our feeling. Uh So I feel like if, you know, if we were able to get through that, then my feeling is that pretty much whoever we work with can do the same. So that's kind of where I'm coming from. But then it's a case of just really pointing them towards this understanding and and just really just really taking them on that journey which is really a similar journey to what I feel like you know I went through Rohini and I went through mm-hmm. in terms of where this understanding led us to and 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 that's where you know I feel like we see results which is which has been an awesome beautiful thing yeah you know Angus this whole thing about you know what are your credentials you know your credentials are that like we said you've experienced life and you've gone through experiences that have shaped you as a person one way and then you've come across an understanding that has shaped you another way to help you then work with other people 
I've known relationship coaches in the past who, you know, that they've never really been in a relationship, right. but they have this certificate that says I'm a relationship coach. That's right. Or That's relationship right. coaches that have been divorced 10 times. What you and Rohini have, have accomplished is you've lived life. You've lived life from a different perspective. And you've come together, still living life from, from you know, your, your own separate realities, but you've found common ground. And yeah. surely, surely that's what people are looking for in the relationship. Yeah, well, I have to believe so. I mean, I think that, you know, that when we work with people and you see they, them come to the table, like we always, you know, the way that we work with people that first session you know, we allow them to, as we say, and this is a, this is a, this is actually a, 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 a Linda Pransky expression. We allow them to go into the weeds. Mm. So they come to the first session and they have a, they come armed with a whole laundry list of woes that they just want to purge themselves and, and feel like, you know, in front of these, you know, quote unquote neutral observers that we may be as coaches. They can then feel the, you know, they have the, the opportunity just to like, just unleash all the venom that they feel towards their partner. So we kind of allow them to do that. But then we like, we, we then say that this, from this point forward, actually what we need to do is we're going to separate you and we're going to work on you individually and we're going to actually work on understanding. And then when we feel like the understanding has reached a point where you're going to be on a, on a, on a, on a similar path, then we'll bring you back together. Mm-hmm. And so what's so interesting is to see how, you know, because I feel like we went through everything and there were so many things that we went through as a couple, you know, we, we briefly separated, we had affairs, we've had arguments galore, you know, I feel like we've seen pretty much seen it all in in many respects. So there's not much that, that, that our clients can bring to the table that we haven't seen, but it's, it's so interesting to see the psychological innocence and see how they can get so attached to their old habitual patterns of thinking. And, and, and yes, those blind spots, you know, that, that really show up in so many ways that it's really, it's really kind of cool to be able to sort of like, in a sense, I feel like it's, it's, it's taken on this journey of deep, deep programming. Mm. Where we're having the principles as this backdrop and, and, and the deep programming is really just, really allowing them to see the illusion of their thinking mm-hmm. and to see how they've built up this, this, these narratives that really they feel have defined not only themselves, but their partner too. There really is this just, you know, this, this, this really, this, this, this kind of movie that they've created inside their head that is, that is based on fiction. I love that Angus. Cause you know, th- that phrase keeps coming to mind. We don't, see people for who they are we see people from where we are you know and how yes. we're looking out at the world so it's kind of like you know a guy going out and having a couple of pints and meeting a girl and thinking that she's really pretty or you know a girl having a couple of you know glasses of wine and thinking the guy's really good looking and they arrange to meet in a week's time and they see each other and think wait a minute yes yeah yeah, and the other thing that springs to mind is just, you know, the standards and expectations. You know, we have our separate realities, and then there are these standards and expectations that people, pull, you know, have that, have, that, have that playing inside their head, and it's very much, you know, coming from whatever it is, their, their culture, their cultural programming, their, mm. their, their upbringing, their peers, and then they start to sort of like, you know, have an experience where maybe 
they're not seeing their partner through rose tinted lenses anymore. They, you know, they, the, 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 the honeymoon period, as they call it, starts to go on the wane and for whatever mm. reason, the partner starts to irritate them. And then all those pesky standards and expectations come into the, come into the fray. And then they start looking at them through that lens. And then the old habitual thinking starts to, starts to come, come back on board. And so, yeah, it's really, it's, it's almost like it's an intervention in a sense. It's kind of mm -hmm. like you, you keep hearing your clients like wanting to go in that direction when they get out of balance, when they get upset with their partner and they go into their old litany of upset and all those, all that old programming that's been fostered by those standards and expectations. It's kind of like, yeah, it is an intervention. We're trying to say, yeah, look, that's, that's just an illusion you've created for yourself. But there's this much bigger picture. There's this, this, you know, your innate mental health, your essential nature is one of love and well-being. That's in the background. Yeah. And that's where, you know, that's where we're leading them to ultimately. And that's, at first, it's kind of like, how do we get there? How are we going to take them on this journey? How are we going to find that little door or that little window to go to that space? And that's what I really love about it. That's what I really enjoy. It's kind of like, it's almost in a sense, it feels a little bit like detective work. You've got to figure out how you've got to get that, 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 uh, finding that access point. What is about, you know, this person who's so resistant to allowing us go in that direction? Here's a question for you, Angus. Do you figure it out or does it figure you out so you know? Well, what's I think so exciting is I feel like we kind of like eventually get to this, this place of common ground. So I can't really take any ownership for really, I mean, you know, obviously I'm there and, and, and I'm having conversations with my client, but I feel that, that, that we kind of get to this, this common ground where I guess we get into that beautiful feeling and from that beautiful feeling, comes insight and that always feels like that's a sort of experience that is you know something obviously the client is having for themselves but I kind of feel like we're all having that experience together and I think that that for me is the sweet spot it's kind of mm -hmm. like I think we get to a place where in our experience we all get so settled in our thinking that we kind of we we we, we create the fertile ground if you like to have insight and in that insight, I think that's, that's something it's so hard to articulate. And I'm even, you know, now trying to find a way to articulate it so it, it's meaningful. But um, it's just, I feel like we just get all on the same page at some point. Mm -hmm. and, it's, and, it's, and it just happens, doesn't it? It just happens, It just happens. I don't even know how it happens, but it happens. Yeah. It's sort of like I'm waiting for it to happen. And all I can do is try my best to sort of like, create an environment where that will happen. I know. I was doing a, a workshop a couple of weeks ago, Angus, and we'd had the first day and it was beautiful and everybody was in a beautiful state of mind leaving. Then the next day, the morning was beautiful and people went away and had lunch and we were meant to have another two, three hours in the afternoon. And people came back after lunch. And honestly, after 45 minutes, I was just like, it's time to stop. You, you yeah. feel how that energy just drops in the room, don't you? And it just gets quiet. Yeah. But, it's, but it's, it's a quiet you can't explain. You, you, you have to experience it to know how good yeah. it feels. I know. And there's something for me, and you know, and Jackie, you've been doing this for a lot longer than I, so you're probably a lot more well-versed in having that experience. But I think this is starting to now be something that's very... Oh, 
I wouldn't say it's new to me because I feel like I've been exposed to it quite a bit, but I'm now seeing to see, I'm now starting to see how you can actually work and play in that arena. Mm. So for me, it's so interesting to have this experience where in that silence or in that beautiful feeling, if you like, that that's where the magic happens. And there's really not a lot that I need to do to interfere with that process unfolding. <laughs> and in the past, I feel like I've, I've like kind of gone in there, but I've gone in, with, gone in with my intellect and tried to corral it. Yeah. And, and there's no rhyme or reason to how it's going to show up or how it's going to work. But there's, 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 for me, this leap of faith that now I realize if I trust in that experience, something very cool will come out of it. And, and hopefully, more than likely, the, the client will have an insight from that yes. space. So it's and kind of allowing the client to have the freedom to have that experience. Whereas in the past, I think I would be wanting to rush in and, 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 and sort of stage manage things. <laughs> like, oh, I'm going to take my hands off the controls and just see what happens. Yeah. And, 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 and that's the gorgeous thing about that, isn't it? Because in that that feeling or that silence or that experience they may have an insight there and then but they may not and that's okay not, too. yeah 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 no just just thinking about this now it's almost i feel like kind of my role as a coach maybe in this sense i'm kind of like the pied piper i'm, kind of, <laughs> I'm trying finding a way to lead them to the feeling and and if they have an experience they will or they won't but that's kind mm. of you know that the ball is in in their in on their side of the court in that sense yeah, I love that, the Pied Piper. I prefer to call myself a facilitator, but hey. Yeah. <laughs> that would be the more professional outlook. <laughs> you know, it, I, love, I love the work you're doing with couples, Angus. I think it's so important. And, and I love that you're doing this as a, as a team, you know, you, you yes. together. I think that's incredibly special. And, you know, you, you do these little videos every Friday of the two of you talking about something that's come up during the week. And they're so honest and they're so raw and they're, they're more often than not hysterically funny. And watching them over the years, you know, I, I can see Rohini softening. And, and being, you know, more with more humor and more laughter. And, and you're just, you know, you're just being you. <laughs> so, I mean, I highly recommend these, you know, sort of uh, these little videos that Angus Rohini do, you know, if you're interested in, in, in finding about them and, and also about, you know, the work that they do. Angus, I, I know there's, there's more to you than the work that you do with um, Rohini doing the couple's work. And I know for me, you know, I've, I've worked a lot with people with addictions, you know, whether it's been cocaine, um, heroin addictions, or whether it's, you know, it's porn or, you know, you name it, you know, I've, I've worked with it. And I often say to people, you don't have to have had an experience of being the person with an addiction to work with people with addictions, because this understanding is so universal that it's always at the root of everything, every misunderstanding that someone has about their experience. But getting back to sort of addiction, you mentioned earlier that you're working in a recovery centre as well just now. Yes. Yes. You know, I mean, that's something that's, that's, that's happened in the last few months. And that's been an incredibly rich experience for me. And as you say, I mean, I think with, with this understanding, it's kind of like all roads lead to Rome. I think, you know, that I can use this understanding in all walks of life in whatever I do as a coach um, or, or, or trainer. And so uh, working in that community, just, you know, it, it, it felt like it, there was no reason why I wouldn't, wouldn't uh, 
work in that environment. And I think, you know, I, I can safely say that, you know, I've probably, although I've never been labeled or been in, you know, in a recovery center myself, I certainly, you know, I have had experiences with addiction. Um, so I think that I have some understanding of that experience, but, um, I think that it's, it's just a, it's, it's just another way where you can see how, um, really, again, it's a case of, of trying to be a guide and, and, and get to, or not even, or we're all kind of on this, this journey together to get into that beautiful feeling. So I, you know, I run groups and I work with, 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 uh, the residents individually. And it's like, for my money, it's just really, you know, first and foremost, obviously trying to sort of build up that rapport, but just trying to just really get to that sweet spot is really just get to a place where we're all like having a conversation on common ground, like we're all in this together. Um, and, and, you know, for me, it's kind of like, we're all, you know, with addiction, I think it's all a case of like, we're all looking to self-soothe in some way. And, and it's the psychological innocence in that. And it's the way that we choose to self-soothe is kind of like, maybe at times that gets a little bit misguided. That's how we get into trouble. That's how addiction mm-hmm. sort of rears its ugly head, I guess. Um, so it's kind of, for me, it's just, there's really, is not really much difference whether I'm working with people in recovery or people who are suffering with their, with their personal relationships. It's, it's all a matter of looking at it through the lens of the principles and see that it's kind of all about really, people are just really innocently looking for their own well-being, but they're kind of getting caught up in their intellect mm-hmm. um, and trying to, trying to solve the problem that way. And, and, you know, bless them, you know, with psychological innocence, they're, you know, they're, they're just looking in the wrong direction. So it's guess again, it's a case of me sort of trying to point people back to their spiritual center, which for me is just, you know, trying to just let us all like, let's all get to a, having a conversation about, you know, the intelligence behind life and, and, and the three principles and how they all kind of interact with one another. Um, has, has this experience humbled you, Angus? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that, well, yes, so much so. I mean, I I feel that, you know, that through the course of my life, I can see how I've got so you sort of anchored in my insecurity and in my insecurity that tends to me, take me in the opposite direction of feeling humble. It takes me in the direction of trying to sort of inflate myself and, Mm -hmm. and be led by my ego. And for me, having this experience with the principles is 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 all about looking in a looking at a very level common uh, a very level playing field where we're kind of all this in together. We're all mm-hmm. we're all one, as it were, uh, and that's the intelligence behind life. And 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 really, for me, that's where life starts to feel really beautiful. Is is when I start to really see that as my north star. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think that you know I, I very much was looking in the wrong direction before. I was all looking, I was looking towards, you know, what can I do? What can I do to, ele- do to elevate myself mm-hmm. with all the experience that I have and, and, and see that as the only possibility when there is obviously so much more. Mm-hmm. You know, we live in this wonderful, beautiful, creative universe with, with infinite possibilities. And yeah, I get so, I used to get so caught up in, 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 in who I, how I was showing up and mm-hmm. what I have to offer. And that's kind of exclusively something that I'm producing as an individual, not looking in any other direction than that. I don't know, does that make sense? Oh, no, it, it does. It totally does. I guess, you know, and as you were talking, I was thinking about somebody that I met at one of the, the three PGC conferences, God, about the ones in, in America about five or six years ago 
a beautiful, beautiful woman um, whose son had died and she'd become an addict not long after that. And I remember looking at her, Angus, and just thinking, oh, my God, I know why you did that. Mm. The, the feeling that she was living in was just so unbearable. Yeah. She wanted something to take it away. And yeah. you used the phrase self-soothe. And, I, I, you know, and, and that's it's a beautiful phrase, actually. You know, rather than saying looking for another feeling, it's you're, 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 you're pacifying yourself. Um, doing the best that you can given your level of understanding yeah. and so this beautiful soul I knew exactly why she'd done what she'd done and then the next thought took me to how society then rejects people mm-hmm. who get into that position in life yet it's been done from the space of psychological innocence she spoke about a space of she was doing the best that she could because she really needed to self-soothe. She needed to feel differently to be able to cope with life. And the last thing that people who are going through that need is then to be rejected. I know. I know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think that we're kind of, we're kind of hardwired as human beings to self-soothe. I think that's just sort of the nature of, of life is that, you know, we are, our North star is well because really that's who we are we are one of our, our human experience the backdrop to that is a, is, is is you know our essential nature is one of innate well-being so we're kind of always looking in that direction mm-hmm. and um and sometimes you know for whatever reason we look in in the wrong places and i think that's all addiction is and addiction is you know can take many forms so it's not like it's just drugs and alcohol it can be chocolate and any number of different things but it's all the ways in which we do that. And it's, all, and it's just us, as you say, the psychological innocence of looking for well-being, perhaps in all the wrong places. And oh, nevertheless, nevertheless, that is our North Star. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, well, you know we're, we're just trying to sort of get back to our source. And, and sometimes, <clears throat> whatever reason we get into a low mood, we, <clears throat> we, we uh, look through a lens which is a little bit more obfuscated in that sense. <laughs> Yeah, mine, mine's manky sometimes. <laughs> mine's sure is definitely manky. <laughs> but, you know, and, and, and people listening, I hope they can hear sort of the humour in this too, that there's a lightheartedness to the human experience that Angus has been pointing to and I always point to, that it's okay. It's okay to get lost from time to time because there's always a, a lesson. There's always something that, that you'll see more clearly afterwards. Do you find that, Angus, that you yeah, get no. caught up and then it's like, whoa. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I think, you know, I think there's, there's definitely some humour in, in seeing how seriously both for myself and you know for the people I work with sometimes sometimes I have to sort of hold back a snigger when I when I <laughs> when I have a client <clears throat> who just like just going off excuse me <clears throat> they'll they'll tell me a story about you know how they're having this monumental fight with a with their partner and, and sometimes I have to hold back a snigger because it just like <laughs> you could see how they're getting caught up and and I'm not really <clears throat> I know that they want me to buy into their story and take oh. their side, but mm-hmm. it's, sometimes it's just hysterical. It's just, you know, it, it, yeah. there is a humour to it. You've just raised a really, really important point there, Angus. You spoke earlier about the first day you work with couples, and I know you'll do this with individuals as well, you know, in your recovery work, etc. 
the first day that you're with people or the first session that you're with people, it's important to let them just let off steam to tell their story in the way that they see it because that's intake for us, isn't it? We get to see where their misunderstandings are. We get to see where the myths are in their experience of life, which is fascinating. Yes. How often do you get lost in the content? Well, yeah, no, sometimes you get, you know, sometimes the content is riveting. It's kind of like you're sitting there watching like an incredible movie and you want to hear, you know, you want to hear, you don't want them to stop. So, so yeah, I guess at some point you have to draw a line in the sand. And I guess that's why we, we give them this sort of opportunity in their first, you know, the first encounter to sort of do that. And then it's kind of a case of like, I guess it's, you know, it's, you have to base, each case on its you know, individual merits and that, you know, you, you, you know, you can, you know, some people just need to espouse more in that direction than others. Mm-hmm. But I guess you build rapport in that moment too. And, and I guess in terms of whatever feeling I'm showing up with, you know, if they could be going off on their tangent, going off with their narrative, but if I'm showing up in a, in a place of love and acceptance, then that, then I'm sure that sort of in, in, in a sense that perhaps aids and abets the whole process. Oh, it definitely does, Angus, because people are desperate to be heard and to be seen and not to be judged. And, and I think for an awful lot of people, that's quite a strange place. Because yeah. like you said, people kind of want to drag you into their content for you, yes. you know, to get on their side or you know disagree with the wife or 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 whatever yeah holding that space of love and some people call it neutrality but it's neutrality sounds a bit weird but it's 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 love isn't it it's like you don't care it's like well it's not that you don't care but there's nothing on it yeah and you know what's interesting about that jackie too is i'm just suddenly realizing is that 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 it's i think there's another piece to is to this is that they show up and you know they're very much caught up in their narrative and, you know, what I was referring to earlier about how, you know, there are times when I have to hold back a snigger. But in a sense, if I show up in a way where I'm just not, I'm just not buying into their story and they can recognize that I'm not buying into their story, it's almost like eventually that story, story starts to lose momentum because they start like starting, they start beginning to realize, yeah, well, hang on a minute. It's like, well, this person is actually not taking this seriously. Maybe I shouldn't be taking this so seriously. I, and I think that's that. what happens. Uh-huh. I think that's incredibly important and such a brilliant point to raise. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of cool to see how that unfolds. And, I, and I'm thinking, and I'm reflecting on that. I think I can see that happen quite a lot. It's almost mm-hmm. like they start, it's almost like I've seen people start to get embarrassed about the fact that they're, they're telling the story. It's kind of like me and the same experience that I had with my wife. I'm at the bottom of the bed screaming at her, but I'm actually like suddenly realizing that this is actually a bit crazy. I've gone a little bit nuts here. This is not who I am. And I think the clients, I've seen them have that moment time and time again, which is really cool. Yeah. You're and work- I think there's a, there's, a, there's a piece to that was like, if, if I'm not taking this story seriously, that's going to be helpful to them. I think that's a huge learning for people, Angus. It's kind of like a fire, isn't it? If you want a fire to stay lit and alive, you put fuel on it. And that's what we would do as coaches if we are buying into the story. Yeah. But if you're trying to put a fire out, you just you just leave it. You do nothing to it and eventually it goes out. Exactly. And and, and I've had, you know, things even with my kids where they're trying to bitch about one another. <laughs> You know, I'm just like, I'm like Sweden. 
<laughs> just not involved. <laughs> you know, they eventually go, ah, okay. Then. Yeah, that's mm. true, for sure. Mm-hmm. For sure. So it's, a, it's, it's a life skill to be able to do that and just... It is. And, and then you think about what so much of the professional community have on offer in terms of all the, the processes and techniques that really are trying to sort of like drum up those feelings and let's get into that narrative. Let's explore that narrative. Let's, let's definitely throw some more fuel on that fire. Yeah, yeah. So that's what what's so awesome about this understanding is that you know we're not doing that. We're not fanning the flames. We're mm-hmm. actually just letting it go out of its own accord and let's see what's behind it, which is something mm-hmm. infinitely more useful yeah. and, and beautiful. Yeah, and universal, I guess, isn't it? You know, yeah. like somebody comes to you and you know they're, they're looking at things about relationships, or somebody comes to me and they're looking at things around eating disorders or whatever, or anxiety. When they know how they work as a human being. It cuts across absolutely everything. So it helps them with their work. It helps them with their relationships. It helps them with themselves. It's not just that one area. And I remember working as, as you know, an NLP trainer and coach and um, hypnotherapist and people would come and you would deal with things. Oh, right. This is a phobia. Okay. This is a this. This is a that. Yeah. Whereas we don't do that in this kind of work. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's so interesting. Actually, it was making me, I was just suddenly remembering a, some clients that we had. And actually, they ended up, it, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't one of those success stories in terms of their relationship. They, they couldn't figure things out on that level. But um, one of them had a massive shifts in their career and their workplace. That they're like, <laughs> I think they decided, like, I'm going to take this understanding. Yes, yeah, I can see how I can really apply this to my work and it's going to really bear fruit. And it did. But in the relationship, build it it wasn't in it i don't know for whatever reason they couldn't see it it remained being such a blind spot to them for whatever yeah. reason but, but but that's the thing isn't it angus we all have preferences and sometimes things are just not meant to be exactly yeah and i'm assuming it's just one of those situations you know you, I, we've given you the information we've done the best of ability to share this understanding and and you know you have to run with it in, in the way that you see fit I mean, that will be down to your own insights but mm-hmm. But it was interesting to see how I was having this experience where I'm like putting all my focus onto like helping this relationship. And, you know, because I guess there's still a part of me, my ego, whatever, mm-hmm. which, which shouldn't be coming in for free, I know. But I guess, it, you know, that, that's a blind spot for me, if you like. But it was so interesting to observe how the career was starting to really take off and, and the benefits were seen from this through the lens of this understanding how that could really pay huge dividends. Mm. And it did. And then, you know, on the relationship front, it was another story. But, you know. Have you guys got anything coming up that you want to promote, Angus? Or? Yes. On, on the 19th of July, we're doing, um, we're doing it's, 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 it's called the Mid-Year Reset. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're doing this in Santa Monica. And um, we are doing this. We are doing actually... Rahini and I are going to do a, a relationship portion. Then we have Bob Patterson who's coming on board to do business. We have Amy Johnson who's going to be um, looking at recovery. And then we have Scott Kelly who's going to be looking at health all through the lens of the three principles. So Excellent. it's how this understanding is really helpful in all those different arenas. So that's the 19th of July in Santa Monica. That's the 19th, 20th and 21st of July in Santa Monica. Fantastic. And you can actually... Sorry, Angus. Will, so you again, I lost, lost. <laughs> will you send me the link for that, Angus? Yes, I will. And also, in addition to that, we have the Soul Centered Series, which is a six-month program, which begins in October. 
And this is something that we did last year, which went, was so successful, we decided to do it again. But we're actually having, um, the, way that it, the way that it's uh, unfolding is that we have the original teachers who, who work with Sydney Banks, who come in, do a weekend uh, with Rohini. They, Rohini co-facilitates, and we have one of these original teachers come in and, uh, and really share the understanding from, from, from their perspective. And it's just been such a beautiful, rich experience that you know, we, felt we, we felt compelled to do it again. It was, there was such good feedback. And uh, you can go on the Soul Centered series, and I'll send you the link, but the soulcentered.com. Um, that's something that we're going to be doing. And we're also doing it virtually too. So good. we did it virtually last time and, and we decided to do it at the last minute. But again, we had such good feedback and, and uh, people were doing it in various parts of the globe and they loved it. So that's something that we're really excited about doing. That's great. And it's such an offering to the world for people to be able to see, you know, people that work directly with said, you know. Yes, it's, it's really, really, yeah. Because not really? everybody can get to conferences, not everybody can can travel, and you know, it's nice that this has been done over over the pond instead of over here or in yes. Europe. So it's really yeah. cool. Yeah, no, it is. It's amazing. And just just to briefly say that you know, uh, the one thing that I was astounded by, because I had to um, to to sort of get um, testimonials after the event finished was that for the people who did it virtually, there were moments where I was at the back of the room, because I guess you could say I was the executive producer. Uh, there were moments at the back of the moon. So where those, those, those experiences of the silence, the feeling, you know, the feeling in the room gets very settled and there'll be, you know, maybe a couple of minutes was just like, you could say one way to, you could in one way say that this is just dead air. For me, in my experience as the producer, I'm thinking, what on earth are the people who are in the other parts of the planet thinking at this point? Mm. They're sitting there, it's just this, this quiet. And so when I, uh, when I spoke to these people later on, you know, asking for the testimonials, they were so impacted by those moments of quiet, which mm. to me, you know, here I am worrying about, oh God, this is dead air. What are they, what are they doing in, in Sweden or Australia or wherever they are? And they were so impacted by those moments. And, and, and that just, for me, just looked points to the sort of universal nature of this understanding that it doesn't really matter where you are. If you're, you can get locked into that feeling, you know, you don't even have to be present to get locked into that feeling. You just have the experience just by mm -hmm. sharing the experience. And the fact you can do that virtually, that's pretty awesome to me. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Angus, thank you so much for being a guest on the Unashamedly Human podcast. And I'm looking forward to seeing what unfolds for you guys. As, as thank you so awesome. much. Thank you. And, and what a privilege to be invited. And I am so, I'm so grateful that you did. Thank you, Jackie. Oh, you're welcome, my love. Take care. Yeah. Hey, you could be larger than life. Cool.